and the rest of us will be getting into God's Word. As you can see today, too, we will also be celebrating the Lord's Supper. Hoy vamos a celebrar la Santa Cena del Señor. This is a meal for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This is a meal for God's people. And so if you have trusted in Christ and you are determined to leave behind an old life of sin and to walk in the new life of Christ with His power, with His help, then you are welcome to come. None of us are worthy to come, but you are welcome to come because Jesus is the only one that can make us worthy. Nadie es digno de venir a esta mesa, pero solo Jesús nos hace dignos. So if your faith is resting 100% on Him, please come to the table later on. I'll give more specifics. But we want to open up the Bible right now to the very last book of the Bible. It's called the book of Revelation. Vamos a abrir la Biblia Apocalipsis. The reading I want to share with you is from chapters 4 and 5. And actually, the reading will start with chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. Vamos a comenzar con capítulo 5, versículo 6 al 10. And actually, as I said before, the, the focus, the entire focus will be on chapters 4 and 5 today. And I really hope that uh, you have an opportunity during the week to read ahead of time. Espero que puedan leer de antemano capítulos 4 y 5. Hoy es el enfoque. That's going to help you. It's going to help you to just get into that a bit more. It will help you to, uh, to be able to understand maybe a bit more. And again, if you don't, as Greg says, that's okay. You're still going to get something. Uh, van a sacar algún jugo, pero si leen de antemano, van a sacar aún más. So chapter 5 of Revelation, and we're going to read verses 6 through 10. I'd like to read that first in Spanish. Voy a leer versículo 6 a 10 primero. And these are the words of John, the writer, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Juan bajo la inspiración del Espíritu Santo. And so this is the word of God. Let's listen to God's word. Escuchemos la palabra de Dios. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns. And seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Entonces vi en medio de los cuatro seres vivientes y el del trono y los ancianos a un cordero que estaba de pie y parecía haber sido sacrificado. Tenía siete cuernos y siete ojos que son los siete espíritus de Dios enviados por toda la tierra. Se acercó y recibió rollo de la mano derecha del que estaba sentado en el trono. Cuando lo tomó, los cuatro seres vivientes y los veinticuatro ancianos se postraron delante del cordero. Cada uno tenía un arpa y copas de oro llenas de incienso que son las oraciones del pueblo de Dios. Y entonaban este nuevo cántico. Digno eres de recibir el rollo escrito y de romper sus sellos porque fuiste sacrificado. Y con tu sangre compraste para Dios gente de toda raza, lengua, pueblo y nación. 
Ellos hiciste un reino, los hiciste sacerdotes al servicio de nuestro Dios y reinarán sobre la tierra. So it wasn't too long ago I, I had a wonderful, marvelous experience and I guess you could say it was almost miraculous. Hace rato tuve una experiencia maravillosa, casi milagrosa. Let me see if I can describe it to you. I went into this long hallway Entré en un pasillo largo, and I was there with a crowd of people, including some people with uh, some people in my family. Estaba con una multitud, incluyendo algunos de mi familia, and we went into this very long room uh, and sat down. The room was almost like a, a train car, if you want to put it that way. Entramos en un largo salón, casi como un vagón de tren, y nos sentamos. And, and then uh, I heard a sound uh, like a, a rushing wind going on. Escuché un ruido como una ráfaga de viento. And then we all had this sensation that we were in this large boat and we were floating along on the waves. Tenemos la sensación de flotar en las olas como en un barco grande. And there was the sound uh, like of a waterfall constantly in the background. Había ruido casi de una catarata en el trasfondo. And for several hours we were like that. Just kind of gently, you know, bobbing up and down as if we were on waves. Así estábamos varias horas. And then it all stopped. Después paró. And we got out of that big room and we went into another hallway. Entramos en otro pasillo. And this hallway had a ramp. It had a ramp that kind of went up. And there at the top of the ramp, there was an open door. Después subimos una rampa y una puerta abierta estaba allí. And when I entered through that open door, it was like I was in this city that I had never seen before. Fue como entrar en una ciudad. There were people all over the place going back and forth and there were lots of lights and I heard voices overhead había luces y voces en, en, en el aire and, and there were beeping sounds sometimes I would hear some beeping había tonitos and, and there were stores and restaurants everywhere food was abundant había restaurantes y, y tiendas so what happened? well I got on an airplane and I flew to an airport. Fui en un avión a un aeropuerto. Now you say, well, pff, that's nothing special. That's nothing miraculous. Eso nada especial, Pastor Russ. Well, maybe not to you or me. But for people 125 years ago, What I just described would be, would be incredible. They would be amazed to hear that. La gente quedaría asombrosa si, si escucharan hace 125 años. It all depends on your perspective, doesn't it? So I want to ask you a question. How do you describe something to people? How do you describe an experience that you've had to people who've never had that experience before? ¿Cómo describir una experiencia que otros no han tenido antes? Well, what you're going to try to do is use familiar words and familiar languages and call up images and things that people might understand. Vas a usar lenguaje e imágenes familiares. And I want to say that's what I think is going on here in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapters 4 and 5, I think that's what we find happening. The description I just gave you of an airport and flying on an airplane, everything I said in that, I tried to make it so that a person 125 years ago would have understood what I said. 
En la descripción del aeropuerto y el avión usé palabras que podrían entenderse hace 125 años. Well, in a sense, John seems to be doing something similar. John is describing for us in Revelation 4 and 5 the vision he has of an experience that very few people on earth have had. And it all begins with an open door and an invitation to go up to it. Juan describe una experiencia que pocos han tenido y comienza con una puerta abierta. I want to take you to Revelation 4, 1, and we begin to read the description. 4, 1. John says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. Mire, y allí en el cielo había una puerta abierta. And the voice I'd heard at first speaking to me said, Come up here. And I will show you what must take place after this. Una voz me dijo, sube acá, voy a mostrarte lo que tiene que suceder después de esto. And at once I was in the Spirit. And there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. Al instante vino sobre mí el Espíritu y vi un trono en el cielo y alguien sentado en el trono. So get the scene here. John, courtesy of Holy Spirit Airlines, is transported. Right? And he finds himself in the very throne room of God. Juan está en la aerolínea del Espíritu Santo y lo transportan al trono de Dios. And, and what he sees there is so amazing, it's so miraculous, and he begins to describe it in terms that people could somewhat identify with. And to do that, he's going to rely a lot on images and a lot on words that have to do with things in the Old Testament of the Bible. Describe con palabras del Antiguo Testamento. We find all kinds of examples. I'm just going to highlight a few. So basically, as he looks at this in verse 3, he sees someone sitting on this throne and he says, you know, this person looks like polished jewels. They're just shining. Se ve como jaspe y cornalina, like jasper and cornelian. He says, if you've ever seen those stones, you might understand. And then he says, I saw a rainbow encircling this throne. Había como un arco iris alrededor del trono. It was like an emerald rainbow. Como un arco iris de esmeralda. Well, let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 1 in the Bible. Ezekiel 1 en la Biblia. And there in verses 26 and 28, The prophet Ezekiel, centuries before, has a vision of what? Of the throne of God. Ezequiel tiene una visión del trono de Dios. And what does he say about it? Verse 26, above the expanse, over their heads, was what looked like a throne of sapphire. There's a precious stone. And high above that throne was a figure like that of a man. Encima de esa bóveda había algo semejante, un trono de zafiro, y lo que parecía una figura de aspecto humano. Verse 28, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance all around him. Resplandor era semejante al arco iris cuando aparecen las nubes en un día de lluvia. And then here's Ezekiel's best attempt to tell what he's seeing. He says, I love this, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Tal era el aspecto de la gloria del Señor. It's like he's, it was like this. Sort of, but more, right? And then we go back to Revelation and we see in, in, in verses uh, four or five there, he sees around this throne some other things. He hears lightning, or he sees lightning and he hears rumblings of thunder. Él escucha truenos y ve relámpagos. And then he sees these seven lamps next to the throne. Diez siete lámparas. Junto al trono. And it says these seven lamps are the 
seven spirits of God. Son los siete espíritus de Dios. What's this all about? We've been hearing about the seven spirits of God already in Revelation. Well, I want to make us, uh, connect us to something that's going on in the prophet Zechariah, chapter 4, Zacarías 4. Again, centuries before, Zechariah the prophet has a vision of what? Of a lampstand with, get this, seven lamps on it. Zacarías ve una lámpara, un candelabro de siete lámparas. And if you read on in Zechariah chapter 4, around verse 6, you begin to understand that this has to do with, somehow this vision has to do with the might and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Tiene que ver con el poder del Espíritu Santo de Dios. And then, Zechariah 4.10 says this, Zacarías 4.10, These seven are the eyes of the Lord which range throughout the earth. Estos son los siete ojos del Señor que recorren toda la tierra. So somehow these seven lamps and the seven lights have to do with the Holy Spirit, the power of God's Spirit who sees everything, who goes everywhere and is everywhere. Tiene que ver con el Espíritu Santo que ve todo y está en todo lugar. And then there are these four angelic beings that John sees. Four living creatures, he calls him, calls them. Juan ve a cuatro seres vivientes. What's this all about? Well, let's look at Revelation 4, 7. Cuatro siete. He says, the first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was flying like an eagle. El primero era como semejante a un león. El segundo a un toro. El tercero como de hombre. El cuarto semejante a un águila en vuelo. Well, let's go back to another connection in the Old Testament. Back to Ezekiel chapter 1 and this great vision that Ezekiel has. Ezekiel 1, he has a vision of what? Get this, four living creatures. El ve cuatro seres vivientes. Now, Ezekiel sees it a little different. He says each creature had four faces. Cada criatura tenía cuatro caras. And what are the four faces of the four living creatures that Ezekiel sees? A lion an ox, an eagle, a man. Un león, un toro, un águila, un hombre. So this is something that we can connect to. We say, okay, this is, this is something about the qualities of these faces. And then there's these 24 elders. What's going up with those guys? 24 ancianos. Well, we don't know for sure, but... Perhaps 12 of them represent the 12 tribes of Israel, and 12 of them represent the 12 apostles, the foundation of the church. Representa las 12 tribus de Israel y los 12 apóstoles. And they're all there gathered around the throne of God. You begin to get this picture. And what are they doing there? What happens there? ¿Qué ocurre allí? Continual worship. Adoración continua. Revelation 4, 8. Day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Día y noche, repetían sin cesar, Santo, 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 es el Señor Dios Todopoderoso, el que era, que es y que ha de venir. If you listen carefully, you can hear an echo from another place in the prophets. Isaiah chapter 6, Isaías capítulo 6, where the prophet Isaiah sees a vision of the glory of the Lord in the temple of God. Isaías ve la gloria del Señor en el templo. And he sees these 
creatures called seraphim with six wings flying around. They are serafines con seis alas. And guess what song they're singing? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Santo, santo, santo es el Señor Dios Todopoderoso. This is quite a scene here. And as they are singing, verse chapter 4, verse 10 tells us something more. 4.10, they say that they lay their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and praise and power for you created all things and by your will they have their being. They were created. Digno eres, Señor Dios nuestro, de recibir gloria, honra, poder, porque criaste todas las cosas. This is a description of not just any place. This is not a description of an airport. You know, a place where you connect to some greater place. This is a description of the place. Este es el lugar, el destino final. This is the destination. This is the place that, that you want to get to by connecting to other places. This is ground zero. This is the center of the universe. This is the, the focus of what is really real. It's the center of todo el universo. Lo que es realmente real. We know it by the name of heaven. Usamos el nombre cielo. Now, when we talk about heaven, we often think that's the upstairs apartment where God lives. But heaven is in biblical language, God's space. It's where God is shown to be who God really is. El cielo es el espacio de Dios. And heaven, in a sense, we could say, is more real than, than even the earth. Es más real que la tierra, because this is the place where God's reign is completely manifested, where God's power and will is done completely. His will isn't always done on earth. But, Heaven is also the space and the place from which God directs his plan to bring everything back together again. El cielo es donde Dios dirige su plan para todo el mundo. As we enter chapter 5, Isaiah becomes, or rather, uh, John becomes aware of something. In capítulo 5, Juan se da cuenta de algo. He says, then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides. Sealed with seven seals. Vi en la mano derecha que estaba sentado en el trono un rollo escrito por ambos lados y sellado con siete sellos. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals? And open the scroll. Un ángel poderoso proclamaba quién es digno de romper los sellos y abrir el rollo. So John sees in the hand of God on the throne this scroll, this roll with writing on it. Ahí este rollo. What is that all about? Well, it would appear this writing has to do with the plan of God that is to unfold from this point on. Tiene que ver con el plan de Dios de este momento en adelante. If you go back to chapter 4, verse 1, what is John being shown? He's being shown what must take place after this. De lo que tiene que suceder después de esto, según 4.1. So there's this scroll that's got the plan, the purpose, the story of God written on it, what God is about to do, but there's a problem. Hay un problema. Chapter 5, verse 3. 
It says no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside. Ni en el cielo, ni en la tierra, ni debajo de la tierra hubo nadie capaz de abrir el rollo ni examinar su contenido. And John says, I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Lloraba yo mucho porque no se había encontrado a nadie que fuera digno de abrir el rollo ni examinar su contenido. So the problem is that no one seems to be qualified. No one seems to have the capacity, the power, the ability to open up this scroll and to set into motion the plan of God to make all things right. Nadie es capaz de arrancar o de llevar a cabo el plan de Dios. And John is upset about this. He begins to cry. How can God's purposes be worked out if there's nobody to open the scroll? Juan empieza a llorar. And it's here then that we see John learns something that we're going to learn in Revelation chapter 22. Él aprende algo que vamos a aprender en, en capítulo 22. You know what John learns? There's no crying in heaven. You don't cry in heaven. It's just not done. No, hay, yo, eh, no se puede llorar en el cielo. Look at verse 5. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Un anciano dijo, deja de llorar que ya el león de la tribu de Judá, la raíz de David, ha vencido. Él sí puede abrir el rollo y sus siete sellos. So here's the good news. There's a lion. A lion who is powerful and he can rip off these seals. He can make this plan come about. El león puede abrir el rollo. And who is this lion? ¿Quién es el león? As we're going to see, he's the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Es el cordero de Dios que quita el pecado del mundo. Revelation 5, verse 6, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures. Vi en medio de los cuatro seres vivientes del trono un cordero que estaba de pie y parecía haber sacrificado. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. Tenía siete cuernos y siete ojos que son los siete espíritus de Dios enviados por toda la tierra. So, we have the lamb here, what looks to be like a lamb who was killed. Hay un, un, un cordero que había sido matado, but he's not dead. He's very much alive. And where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? In the center of the throne. He's in God's place. Está en el centro del trono, en el lugar de Dios. And this lamb has seven horns. Tiene siete cuernos. Horns are a symbol of strength, of power. Los cuernos simbolizan el poder. Seven, as we're going to see all through Revelation, time and time again, seven is the number of completion, of perfection. Siete es el número de, de la perfección. So this lamb has perfect power. Tiene poder perfecto. And he has seven eyes, which are, as John says, the seven Spirits of God. Tiene siete ojos que son los siete espíritus de Dios. The seven spirits of God sent throughout the world, earth. Remember Zechariah chapter 4? 
Remember what it talked about? That these seven are the, are the spirit of God whose eyes range throughout the earth. What is this saying? Jesus, the lamb, has the complete Holy Spirit of God. He sees all. He's in all places by his spirit. Jesus tiene el Espíritu de Dios. He is the anointed and appointed one. And in fact, this is the fulfillment of another prophecy from Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, Isaías 11, where it says that there's going to be coming a shoot out of the root of David, out of Jesse, David's father, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. El Espíritu del Señor reposará sobre él. And then Isaiah describes the Spirit of the Lord in seven dimensions. A una descripción de siete dimensiones. The Spirit, count them with me, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, de sabiduría, entendimiento, the Spirit of counsel and power, that's four, de consejo y poder, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, that's six, de, de conocimiento, de temor del Señor, and he will delight in God. And all of God's plan. Él se deleitará en el Señor y su temor. And this is Jesus. Who is Jesus? ¿Quién es Jesús? He is the pantocrator that we talked about in chapter 1. Is it pantocrator? That's the Greek word for the one who holds all things in his hands, who controls everything. Es el que aprieta y controla todo. And the lamb, the one who is the almighty, who has everything in his hands, he is worthy and he is able to take in his hand that scroll that has the entire plan of God and he will make it happen. Él tiene toda la capacidad de agarrar el rollo y llevar a cabo el plan de Dios. And really, this is an important marker because from this point on, on, everything in Revelation we're going to see is the unfolding, the unrolling of this scroll. The rest of Revelation, the visions you see, are all in that scroll. Las visiones están dentro de ese rollo. And no matter what happens from this point on, no matter what we see or hear, we need to understand one important thing. The lamb has it in his hand. Pase lo que pase, el, el, el cordero lo tiene todo a mano. He's got it there. Jesus is in charge of these events. Jesús está a cargo. And the four living creatures and the 24 elders tell us why Jesus in char is in charge. In Revelation 5:9 and 5, 9, nos dicen por qué. They sing a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. Digno eres de recibir el rollo y, y romper sus sellos. Why? Because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Fuiste sacrificado. Compraste para Dios gente de toda lengua, raza, pueblo, nación, por su sangre. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Ellos hiciste un reino y sacerdotes a servicio de Dios y reinarán sobre la tierra. Jesus the Lamb is worthy to make the plan of God come about because he's paid for it. He died for it. Él ha pagado para desarrollar este plan. He has paid for people, for their sins, and look at his plan. You know, this is Martin Luther King weekend. We talk about that famous speech, I have a dream, right? Hablamos del sueño de Martin Luther King. Well, guess what? God has a dream. 
Dios tiene un sueño. What's his dream? That people of every tribe and tongue and race and language would come together to be a kingdom, to represent and show forth his glory and reign with him. That was actually the plan at creation. We messed that up. Dios quiere unir a todos los pueblos para que reinemos con él. We need to understand how radical this vision was for the people living in these seven ancient churches 2,000 years ago. It's radical for us, but we need to understand how radical it was for them. Hay que ver lo radical que era esto para estas, estas siete iglesias. Think about it. The time they lived in, the Roman Empire dominated everything. El Imperio Romano dominaba todo. The Roman Empire was literally considered the center of the universe. Rome was like the very center of the world, the belly button of, of the globe. Roma era como el ombligo del universo. Why? Because there you had the throne of the emperor. The emperor who himself said, I am the son of God. El emperador dijo, yo, decía, yo soy el hijo de Dios. And everything in Rome, everything looked towards Rome where the throne was. And radiating out of Rome, you had all these different beings, all these different governors and, and soldiers and prefects and senators, different rulers that would, would circle the throne of Rome and do the bidding of the emperor. Había senadores y gobernadores y soldados que hacían la voluntad del, 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 del emperador. But Rome was it. Rome defined and controlled everything. Roma controlaba todo. And every day if you were a person living 2,000 years ago in this place, you would be reminded at every turn, Rome's in control. Rome owns you. Rome is going to tell you what to do. Roma era dueño de todo. Every time you bought something, you paid with a Roman coin. Every time you went down a street corner, you saw a Roman soldier. Every time you had to pay your taxes, you were in, in, in reminded that you had to bow down to the emperor. En cada rincón pagabas con monedas de Roma, había soldados por todas partes. Everything was about Rome. And here, John, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, is saying, I'm going to tell you about the true center of reality. I'm going to tell you what's really real. Les voy a decir lo que es verdaderamente real. What is really real? It is Jesus who is the Lamb who is worthy Jesus is the center. The Son of God is the center. Jesús, el Hijo de Dios, es el centro de toda la realidad. And how do you get in tune with that? How do you open up the door and realize what's really real? ¿Cómo sintonizarnos con eso? It is through worshiping the Lamb. Worship the Lamb above all else. Give him his due. In fact, the word worship in English means worthyship. Recognize the worthyship of the lamb. Adoración es reconocer lo digno que es el cordero. And that's what we find happening here in this great scene as we end chapter 5. John looks and there are not only thousands and thousands, but 10,000 times 10,000 of angels in the outer circle. There's the throne, the creatures, the elders, but then there's all these angels around uh, singing. Hay estos ángeles, millares y millares y millones de millones, and they're singing worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, digno cordero que ha sido sacrificado, 
and they say he's worthy to receive, get this, seven things. <laughs> and that means he's worthy to receive everything, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Es digno de recibir el poder, la riqueza, la sabiduría, la fortaleza, la honra, la gloria y la alabanza. And as they're worshiping, then we see even further out from that circle, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea, and they are getting tuned up to that, and they're worshiping the Lamb too. That's the vision of God. It hasn't happened yet, but it's on its way. Toda criatura va a adorar a Dios, and they're going to sing to the Lamb who sits on the throne, praise and honor and glory and power forever. God's word today, I think, offers us incredible encouragement. Incredible encouragement. And it repositions us. It helps to reorient us to what is really real. La palabra nos reorienta a lo que es real de verdad. When I ask you that question, what is really real to you? ¿Qué es realmente real? You know, most of us, Myself included, you know what's really real? What's right in front of me. What's really real is what's right in front of my life. Bills, that's real. Las facturas. Pressures at work. Las presiones de trabajo, that's real. Stress in relationships. El estrés en las relaciones, that's real. Fears and concerns about my health, that's real. Temores de la salud. Leaking, dripping roofs. That's real. Oh my goodness. Techos que tienen derrames y goteras. Headlines about wars and the things going on in politics and sports and the big game today. That's what's really real. El gran juego hoy y los titulares de las noticias. That's all what's really real. What's really real? I'm depressed right now. I'm anxious right now. I'm fearful right now. I'm defeated right now. That's what's really real. Tengo depresión, ansiedad, miedo. But God's word here is showing, uh-uh. There's another reality. There's another reality and there's an open door into that reality. Hay una realidad y una puerta abierta. And we don't have to live our lives dreading the future and despairing about what's real in the present when we make the worship of God, the Father, Jesus, the Lamb, and the Holy Spirit our focus. Podemos adorar al Dios Padre, Hijo, Espíritu Santo como nuestro enfoque. It opens the door to another reality. And through worship, what we're doing, whether we realize it or not, we're aligning our lives with the throne room of heaven. We're lining up to what God's plan is. And it's, it's this, that you and I are not writing the story of our lives. God is writing the story. And he's written the story. And he's unfolding the story. And so what I have to do is I don't have to figure it all out and write the story. I just need to get lined up with his story. No tengo que, que escribir mi propia historia. Tengo que alinearme con la suya, con la de Dios. So this morning I want to ask you what are you dreading this week? What are you anxious about? What are you afraid of? ¿De qué tienes miedo? ¿Qué te preocupa? What, what's worrying you right now? Jesus 
is worthy to deal with any and all things that we might be facing. Él es digno de enfrentar todo lo que enfrentamos. He's the lion. He's got all power. Es el león con todo poder. But he's also the lamb. Es el cordero. He understands our weakness and our need. And he has come to conquer us. Ha venido a vencernos. Not with bombs. Not with a sword to our throat like Rome did. He comes to conquer us by giving up his life on a cross to die for us. Él nos conquista con su muerte en la cruz. And, and by dying on the cross, Jesus absorbs into himself all of the evil of the world. All of sin and Satan and hell and death takes its best shot at him and cannot extinguish him because he comes out on the other side as the lamb who was slain, not who is slain. Jesús absorbe el mal del mundo y sale victorioso. He's risen from the dead. That's what's really real. And this lion, who is the lamb, believe it or not, is inviting us to his table today. Este león que se cordero nos invita a su mesa. Here we have an opportunity to actually adjust ourselves to what's really real. Podemos ajustarnos a lo que es real de verdad. What's really real? Jesus' body given for us. That body is more real than the bread we're going to touch. El cuerpo de Cristo más real que el pan que vamos a comer. The blood of Jesus shed on the cross is more real than the juice we're going to drink. La sangre de Cristo más real que el jugo que vamos a tomar. We have an opportunity at this table and an invitation by faith to be lifted up in worship and praise and thanks in the very throne room of God. And that happens not by us, it happens by the Spirit of God. Podemos ser levantados en espíritu hasta el trono de Dios. So in a sense you could say, this is our open door. Es nuestra puerta abierta. And the invitation is, come up here. See what God has for you. Take this invitation. Venga, tomen esta invitación. And I hope you will. As I said before, this table is for those who trust in him. Those who are determined to leave behind what is not real. Sin is not real. Sin is not life. This is for those who are determined to, to embrace what is real, Jesus, the Lamb of God. Esta mesa es para los que quieren dejar lo que no es real, el pecado, y abrazar a Jesús. So with that in mind, I invite you to pray with me right now. Let's pray together. Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we humbly come. You invite us. And you welcome us. Not because we are worthy, as we said before, but because you are. 
nos invitas y das la bienvenida, no porque seamos dignos nosotros, sino porque tú eres digno. Thank you. Thank you for what you offer us in yourself. Thank you for your plan, for the ages, for all of history. You've got it in hand. Gracias por tu plan para toda la historia. We come here confessing we need you. We need your forgiveness. We fail daily. We've sinned against you in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, our motives. There's nothing healthy in us, God. Nothing that could sustain life. Hemos pecado en contra de ti en pensamientos, palabras, motivos. No hay nada en nosotros que tenga vida. No food can sustain us. We are like the grass that withers and fades. Somos como la hierba que, que se marchita y muere. But you, Jesus, you are the true bread of life. You are the true drink that sustains us forever. Eres el pan de vida y el vino que nos sustenta para siempre. Lord, we pray that as we come to you, we may, we may be lifted into your presence in worship and praise and thanks for all these gifts that you have given us. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Santo, santo, santo es el Señor Dios Todopoderoso que es, que era y que ha de venir. So we accept your invitation. We ask and pray that you would come and meet with us. Come, Lord Jesus. Ven, Señor Jesús. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we want to remember why we are here. The night that Jesus was betrayed to go to the cross, he took bread with his followers and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. El Señor, la misma noche que fue entregado, tomó el pan y dando gracias lo partió y les dijo a sus discípulos, tomad, comed, este es mi cuerpo que por vosotros es partido, haced esto en memoria de mí. In the same manner, after they had eaten, he also took the cup and he blessed it and said, this cup is the new testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. También tomó de la copa diciendo, esta copa es el nuevo pacto. Hecho mi sangre por la remisión de los pecados. Haced esto cada vez que tomad de ella en memoria de mí. I want to invite our serving elders to come up now. And as they're coming forward again, I want to repeat, this is a table for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ. It's a table for those who partake in faith. If you are determined to leave behind all sin and to follow Jesus, imperfect though that may be, come and receive of this gift. A los que están determinados a dejar el pecado y caminar en la vida de Cristo, vengan. We're going to invite you to come forward and take of the bread and the cup. We invite you to, to take it back to your seat and 
have time to meditate. Pueden tomar el pan de copa y volver a su sillón para meditar. And when all have been served, then we'll, we'll partake together. And if you're not quite sure where you are today, you're not sure if you have trusted, you're not sure if you believe, no estás seguro de haber creído en Cristo, it's okay to say, this is my time to wait, this is my time to watch, this is my time to observe what's happening and, and to draw closer to God in that time. I want to invite you to do that, to feel the freedom and to know that is, we want you to be doing what is authentic in your relationship with God, where you are today. Si no están seguros de su relación con el Señor, con toda confianza pueden esperar y meditar en su sillón.